0: Welcome to BIB Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. One of the attributes we associate with leadership is the ability to persist, to move forward, to avoid the patterns that might hold one back. My guest today has written a new book on these optimal paths to this form of commitment. She refers to it as the unstuck leader. That's the title of her book. And Judy Sims, an experienced executive herself, a coach in this field, joins me now. Good to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Kurt. Good to be here. Uh, what
0: generally bogs down the leader?
1: So <laughs> well, that's a that's a very deep bog
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> that they can get bogged into. Um, it starts with there's there's usually like this kind of a five step process of getting bogged down, and it starts with um, a lack of self awareness, and that lack of self self awareness. Um, the thing we're unaware of is our own attachments or over-attachments to certainty and significance. And so those things aren't, you know, essentially bad on their own. They can, you know, protect us from the world or inspire us to do big things. Um, But if we're over-attached to certainty, for example, we don't want to take risks. We don't want to try new things. We don't want to put ourselves in difficult positions. And if we're over-attached to significance, we can become... Uh, unpleasant, actually. We can, we can you become the loudest voice in the room. We can become dominant or need to demand special treatment. And when we're in that state, what's really going on is we're fearful. And that causes us to begin prioritizing comfort over truth. And that's the true moment we get stuck. Because this, this prioritizing a comfort over truth is it's like a form of self betrayal and it's also a betrayal of our businesses because we're not we don't want to see what's really there. We want to feel good. <laughs> we want to feel comfortable. And from that place, we're now unable to really get a good look at what's going on in the world. Um so we're we're not observing other people and the systems within which um we work, uh, with a a, a clear eye. Yeah. And That leads us to not being able to let go of things that aren't working because we're so concerned with certainty and significance. That leads to a really ineffective co-creation process because we're filtering everything through me, 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 me. Um, And the final thing that gets us stuck is just a a lack of commitment to the idea that leadership is a daily practice and requires things that keep us um, in the right mind and help us show up. As a leader every day at work. So yeah, it's, it's a deep process, but it kind of builds on itself and, and, and we tumble down a hill, so to speak, into, into our stuckness.
0: There are a raft of things that, that you've just mentioned, but I want to unpack almost the first thing that you said, which is that a lack of understanding, lack of understanding of self in this case. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, I'm asking for a friend on this one. How, how do people get up the ladder without understanding themselves?
1: Oh, so it's so easy. Yeah, certainty and significance, um, they're kind of this, they, they were encouraged in the old uh, meth- mechanistic economy of the 20th century, right? So, so we were told that leaders impose order and leaders provide certainty in times of uncertainty. And so if you're a person who wants a lot of certainty and you lock things down, and if you are good at self-promotion via your need for, for significance, it's pretty easy to get up the ladder. Hmm. But once you're there, things start to fall apart. Hmm.
0: and and why why do leaders let it get to them? Why aren't they just so able to keep moving forward
1: with the uh, well, with that issue with certainty and significance again, um, your need for certainty is brain chemistry. I mean it's a really tough thing to overcome and that, and that's where you do need to have that daily practice of understanding what's underlying those needs, which is fear, and things like fear of loss, fear of less, fear of never. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the big fears that we all experience all the time. And it, it's a daily practice of coming to understand that that's what's at play and recognizing fear as a thing that is arising within you and saying, yes, there's fear, instead of I'm afraid. Mm-hmm.
0: You talked to so many people for your book, uh, and and I wonder what they told you about what they now know to be the consequences of what is it, kind of the equivalent of a writer's block in some of these cases.
1: Yeah. For, for most of them, it was, for a lot of them, I'll say there was a deep sense of regret and there was um, the lasting implication of that they were still beating themselves up for their stuckness. Even if the incident of stuckness they were discussing with me was long past, mm-hmm. um, there it was, there, there was a haunting, I think it's the best way to say it. Other people were able to turn it into a learning experience. So people who are, you know, working on, on those, these for certain significance. were able to kind of say, okay, that happened now. What am I going to take from it to make sure it doesn't happen again?
0: Yeah. D- can you stay stuck for terribly long and still <laughs> somewhat thrive or, or does it catch up to you in, in general?
1: Uh, it does catch up to you that you can stay stuck for years and years and years. In fact, stuck is so perplexing that a lot of the people I spoke with, I spoke to 100 people about, about their stuckness, um, told me that they. They had been stuck for a year or more before they even realized they were stuck. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. just, you know, it became this pattern of belief and behavior that, that they were in and they weren't realizing how much it was limiting them. And so, yeah, you can go forward for a long time and, and there's a price to be paid for that because it causes a tremendous amount of mental stress, which has physical tolls and tolls on your progress because you're not seeing the world as it is and you're not when you are creating a lot of stability um, and certainty what's really going on is you're becoming more and more rigid and this is the great lie of certainty is it tells us that you know if we're stable we're good but that rigidity is actually fragile where if we're able to remain unstuck we're much more flexible and adaptable so it does catch up with you eventually because you're fragile you're unable to respond to what's going on around you you're reacting mm-hmm.
0: Listen, is this a, is this a guy thing more than anything?
1: No. <laughs> no. no. As a matter oh. of fact, it is <sighs> not relief.
0: No. Relief, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. it's, it's uh, yeah, both genders are equally capable, equally capable of getting stuck and they both crave certainty and significance. Maybe different forms of certainty and significance, but mm. they both crave them and, and yeah, everybody gets equally stuck over time.
0: And when you're uh, unsticking yourself uh, first of all, are you doing it yourself or, or in general, in your experience, are people, are external factors pressing you to get out of your bubble?
1: Yeah. Usually, usually the pattern is, is that we get into the, into the stuckness and, um, we sense decline and, and that sense of decline can cause us to go in two different directions. We can, Go in the bad way and drink too much and have affairs and do all kinds of negative behaviors to help us like you get this artificial feeling of not being in decline um or we can like just dig in and uh go through a process that's called cocooning, which is where you really you know come to grips with what's going on with you. So you can only um, avoid the cocooning process for so long. <laughs> your, your body will give up. Like you're just the stress of of not dealing with your issues will catch up with you eventually. And people do it to different degrees, right? I mean, some people are, you know, they'll just kind of kick themselves into something new by, you know, getting a new job or moving to a new industry, something like that. that will give them that sense of newness. But other people are really willing to dig down and, and do an assessment, um, not unlike what I did. I was a corporate vice president and a startup CEO, and now I'm a coach and a writer, uh, because I went through a really deep process of, of understanding myself and where I wanted to, to take my career.
0: Yeah, it, that, that is a very very much one of these uh, central dilemmas in, uh, in, in reading your book, which is the, the number of people who have to determine if they can redefine themselves, uh, if they can unstick themselves, in the jobs they have or whether a change of scenery is going to be the, the trigger. Um, once again, uh, where generally do people go in order to unstick themselves?
1: They start reading. They start looking at books like this one. They um, uh, get involved in networking groups. They start to reach out. And have these kinds of conversations. Um, obviously, this is what coaches specialize in: is is getting uh, people out of this kind of stuckness. The big thing, though, is learning to live in a world of uncertainty and ambiguity, and just still have the capacity to make quality decisions. Oh. And that comes. Um, with maturity and experience, which is a good thing. So when we talk about the midlife crisis, the dreaded midlife crisis, I love the midlife crisis <laughs> because that's the that's the time when an opening is created where finally somebody is willing to to start looking at the things um, that they can improve in their lives and how they can interact better with the world. So, yeah, it's, it's personal for absolutely everyone. They all have their own ways of handling it, um, but there's certainly enough resources in the world to help people do it.
0: Okay, so the midlife crisis is one thing, but when a leader gets into late-stage careers, uh, is the reputation set in such a way that it then becomes difficult, first of all, for for the person to reshape, but secondly, for those around him or her to accept that this is a different kind of leader now?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all about showing up. That's about showing up. That's about um, integrity and coming to work every day. Like just saying, yes, every day I'm going to come, I'm going to show up. I'm going to let go of those behaviors that people saw in me that were, you know, creating me to get, causing me to get stuck and causing them frankly to become cynical. (laughs) This is what happens when you have a stuck leader is, is the employees become deeply cynical because they see that prioritization of comfort over truth. uh, And they, they don't want to live in that, in that world. So, yeah, it's, it's about saying yes to imperfection. It's about how you handle things when things go wrong and demonstrating that. It's about saying yes to boundaries. One of the big reasons we get stuck is because we don't have any boundaries and we're trying to say, uh, we're trying to do too much. We're involving ourselves with things and people that we shouldn't be involved in. Right. Um, a big one is saying yes to connection. And this means, you know, the old field the management by walking around Maxim, It's still the most powerful form of leadership, and it it really is about forming relationships and connections to the people around you, and then, again, showing that commitment. So every day, making sure that you're showing up in such a way that everybody understands that you're changed. So it it is possible that it is, for the first little while, definitely pushing a big old rock up a hill. Mm.
0: Look, leaders that I've known also are always approached with a, a kind of a diversion. Uh, a, you know a side issue um, an opportunity to diversify or extend themselves a little bit is mm-hmm. part of again getting unstuck is to, is to resist those temptations to the greatest extent possible and, and get your focus back first
1: I think it's to um, it's to focus on where and what needs of your needs are being met by this opportunity right so if it's more certainty and significance, Stay away from it. So if you're doing these opportunities for your own self-aggrandizement or whatever, you know, reputation is one thing, but, but, you know, if you're getting something unhealthy out of it, be careful. If it's for certainty, simply for financial reasons, if it's a paid board position, for example, those are two things. As we get older, fortunately, and we mellow out a little bit. Sometimes those needs for certainty and significance start to, to take a back seat, and we can start focusing on growth and contribution. So, if those opportunities are about growth and contribution, you should most definitely jump at them because that's really going to help you get unstuck because they're fantastic motivators.
0: Yeah. But, Judy, I've heard it's lonely at the top. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, what's wrong with a little bit of attention?
1: There's nothing wrong with a little bit of attention. And I think that what you, when you're thinking about significance, so I said earlier, it can inspire you to do big things. Ensure that those big things are also great things. Uh-huh. And the way you do that is by getting very, very clear on your purpose. And, you know, it can sound a little wishy-washy. People don't like to talk about, like, I have a purpose in life. And, you know, running around telling everybody about your God-given purpose. But, you know, Aristotle, let's go back to him, <laughs> said that we each have a responsibility to promote human flourishing. So if you just start there and say, that's the purpose that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase down. Now your need for significance is really handy <laughs> because, you know, think about it. Oprah Winfrey has a massive need for significance. That's great. But so does Harvey Weinstein. So you're going to, right, you're going <laughs> to channel it in the right directions and you can, you can really use it in positive ways
0: you uh, you talk in the book extensively about uh, the concept that I think uh, you refer to as emergence and the importance mm. of it. and I, I want you to yeah. help us explain a little bit about uh, what emergence is and the consequences of it and those in in those that recognize it.
1: Yeah, so emergence is first of all, it's everything. It's really important. Um it's a nonlinear change in a complex system. So what that means is, first of all, your organization is a system, uh, is a system of systems actually. There's multiple things going on all the time. So it's not just a series of unlinked events and occurrences. It's a system of uh, things that are all linked together. And that's why uh, outcomes are happening as they are. And that's often why we get outcomes that nobody wants. And it feels like we all tried to do the right thing, but the outcome wasn't what we wanted. And that's because these systems were at play. So a nonlinear change in a complex system means that everything's going the way things do, and then somebody does something different, or there's an external shock, and all of a sudden you have this, this uh, change. Now, when we're uh, really interested in our own personal certainty and significance, we want to just squash the change. <laughs> we want to just get order, right? We want to control it. But what really needs to happen is we need to allow complex adaptive systems to arise they're like temporary constellations of motivated empowered employees who can sense these non-linear changes and then are empowered to do something about them uh, either to change uh, you know learn from them shift strategies adapt strategies these systems can form independently and they do already in any organization. It's we just don't like to talk about it, but these systems form, people come together, they solve a problem, and then it disintegrates and then maybe regenerates at another time. So these systems emerge from the very nature of an organization, which is the connection of disparate parts that are bonded by a common goal or need. So you know, the stimulus can be market conditions or interpersonal relationships or serendipitous discoveries, product feelings, whatever these things are, they cause a little bit of a Tension in the organization. And in solving them, the members of the complex adaptive system uh, are experiencing a little bit of conflict as well. And this creates a superior solution because they're talking to each other, they're clashing, they're having uh, good discussions, they're prioritizing truth this time over comfort. Mm. So that's what emergence is. It's when things happen and we allow them, we listen for them to happen. Uh, Because that's where the magic is, right? That's where where change happens in organizations is when things seem to kind of emerge organically. And then we empower our employees to actually uh, solve for those things that are arising.
0: So in general, what does this then compel the leader to do in terms of, say, sharing power, enabling others to hold it, losing a little bit of agency, perhaps being a little less control minded. What 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 kinds of things do do that compel leaders to do?
1: Yeah, it's such a big thing. Letting go. It's it's like a full chapter in the book. Yeah. Uh, and the first thing they need to do is let go of stability. So they're going to trade rigidity for resilience. So they're going to deal with their own sense of certainty and start to allow these complex adaptive systems to emerge, solve problems, and then dissolve within the organization. A big thing is letting go of, of inauthentic power. So inauthentic power is that old-fashioned mechanistic form of power where we're controlling everything yep.
0: uh,
1: and, and tra- trading it in for enablement. Um, a really big one that people do not like to let go of is message control. Yes, so. Right. Yeah, it's a really big one. We want everybody to be on the same page. Um, everybody being on the same page is a problem if the thing that's happening is on a different page, right? So you want to allow more conversations, more learning. Um, and you know, it, the way to know if you have a problem with message control is when when a poor result comes up, ask yourself, why did this happen? And ask yourself, what am I keeping from my employees that might've prevented that poor result? And then ask yourself, what are they keeping from me? <laughs> because When there's message control, it's a two-way street, so they don't want you to know things either. And so now you're not able to sense, uh, sense what's emerging around you at all. So that's an issue of gatekeeping versus transparency. Uh, another big thing we need to let go of because of our need for significance is the, the let go of being right. So that's, you know, our ego versus a sense of curiosity. The greatest thing a leader does is ask questions. So when you get a result that's unexpected, if it's positive or negative, the first thing a leader should be doing is questioning. Why did that happen in a curious way? Like, huh, (laughs) what? why did that happen? And start digging around in there. And that will allow them to ask even better questions in the future. And that's what leads to really great co-creation is when a leader is sensing what's emerging around them and has enough uh, humility to ask questions to push things forward
0: yeah I hear you in all of this i i' there's no doubt that what you're saying is actually quite therapeutic, and I mean that in a very positive sense Thank and you. and leaders are often selected not by virtue of their willingness to be vulnerable they're they're yeah. often selected because they are these tough minded yeah. direct <laughs> very intellectually certain people yeah. so so how do you get from here to there?
1: Yeah, yeah and that, that in of itself is a system that doesn't work, right? Is there's these three lies about leadership that we tell um, each other. And the first is that leaders are heroes until they're not, and then they're scapegoats. So just as in itself, it does it, you're great until you're not, and then you suck, right? Hmm. And then that notion that leaders need to impose order and then provide certainty. The best I can say is that a leader within themselves, once they become... Aligned within themselves with understanding their needs for certainty and significance, understanding the things that they value themselves, and then understanding what their purpose is, even if it's as simple as to promote human flourishing. That's not simple, but (laughs) they go right down to the basics of what Aristotle said. Then they enter what I call an expansive state where they're grounded in core values and purpose, yet they are open to new ideas and new people and new situations. That is the form of leadership that is absolutely necessary in this world where things aren't mechanized and and production-oriented, where things are constantly changing. So the way I talk to these leaders is I appeal to their need for certainty and say, look, stability is dangerous. You change the conversation, right? A lot of the entrepreneurs I talked to when I was interviewing them saw themselves as having a high need for certainty. They just perceived the the uh, the uh, danger of being in a different place. They didn't want to leave their future up to some other manager. They wanted well, exactly. to be in control of it themselves. Yeah, yeah. So this is. So when we get somebody aligned to say, you know what, you have to enable your employees so that they can sense what's emerging and address issues because the world is changing too quickly now for any single leader, one, to control it because it happens anyway. So it's just madness to try to control that behavior. Um, It's better to enable it and direct it in a way that that is better for you. Uh, And two, because you're just, you're going to miss stuff if you're going through the world with these blinders on that you have to be in charge and in control of everything, you, you, you're just going to miss stuff and you're and you're going to find yourself in trouble.
0: I suppose um, someone slightly cynical would then ask, uh, are we then paying leaders too much money?
1: <laughs> That's a whole other question. <laughs> of course not. This stuff isn't easy. Uh-huh. It sounds like it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, handing over responsibility. Yeah. I'm like, uh, not, I'm, I'm like, ex- I'm like I'm
0: an executive coordinator or something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah no, no. Uh, you're okay. one, you you're, you're showing up and you are asking those right questions and you are involved in that process of sensing what's emerging around you and understanding the market. You know, a great leader is talking to a customer at least once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it is much more hands dirty. Than you know doing deals on a golf course.
0: <laughs> you haven't seen me play golf, yeah. Um, <laughs> so don't worry. Um, but but I would say uh, in the end here, um, you know, your last step in in becoming an unstuck leader is practice, uh, daily yeah. practice. So what do you wind up discussing with with those you coach about what what might be the optimal daily practice in all of this
1: it's up to them it's 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 up to how they see the world i always there's two things i always encourage people to be every day and one is brave uh because maya angelou once said that courage is the most important of all the virtues because it allows you to practice the others with consistency so one you have to just make that decision i'm going to prioritize truth over comfort every day and that Mm -hmm. takes courage it's really hard to do and two some form of gratitude because when things are tough and when you're feeling stuck and when there's issues that seem insurmountable, just focusing for a little bit every day on what's going well. Is, is quite a good mental balm to to help you be brave because it kind of solidifies you other people add things like am I doing something for my physical health every day am I doing something for my family or my personal relationships every day um, you know everybody has their own system that works for them and the other really big thing that I ask my clients to focus on is how they show up for work every day uh-huh. do they show up in the right mindset are they are they arriving not flustered because they hit every red light on the way into work or are they, uh, you know, are they arriving in a position where they're like happy to see their coworkers from the minute they walk in the door? Are they creating energy around them that's positive?
0: Yeah. So find the coordinated green lights along along the way along the route. A okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or take the subway. Yeah, take the subway exactly.
0: <laughs> Judy, it's uh, I've, I've been absorbed in the book all week, and uh, I really want to thank you for coming on today. It's a really great book. Uh, thanks a lot for your thank time. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. It's been really great talking to you.
0: Judy Sims is the author of The Unstuck Leader. You've been listening to BIV Today. I'm Kurt Lepoint. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.